God, we're so grateful for this time uh, to be with you, Lord, to feel your presence here at Anchor Church, Lord. God, we ask that that would be true, um, that you would come, that you would absolutely overflow this place. Um, and Lord, as Pastor Elizabeth spoke to our hearts, God, that our lives would reflect our relationship with you. That is how you echo through our city, Lord. It's in the lives that we lead. God, we love you so much, and we're grateful for your presence this morning. Amen. You guys can have a seat. I'm just going to grab this little standy dandy here. <laughs> Good morning. I would ask you how you are, but you've already answered that two times, so I feel like you're off the hook today. Um, that being said, I'll just let you know how I am. Capital T, tired. <laughs> Which is such a good thing for me, because today I'm talking about rest. Hey, so we've been in a sermon series called Running on Fumes, um, and this sermon series has been kicking people in the gut. Um, I would say the other word I was going to say, but I don't know if I'm allowed to say butt on stage. <laughs> I just said it. <laughs> just kidding. Um, anyway, and so we've talked already about parenting, we've talked about finances, and we've talked about marriage, and what it looks like to run on fumes in those separate areas, and those are some real tough things, because they get kind of to the core of who we are and what we do, don't they? Um, and I have good news for you. This week, we are talking about rest. We're talking about running on fumes um, in life, uh, but that doesn't mean that it's any easier. So like, good news, bad news situation, uh, we do get to talk about nap time, but for those of you who are feeling tired like I am, doesn't mean that we get to we get to do nap time right now. So, oh my gosh, I choked. <laughs> I feel like sometimes I get up here and I see all of your faces and I'm just like jarred by the beauty. I'm like, oh, I start to get weird. Okay, but I have a story for you and it's probably gonna make me seem even weirder, which is okay. Um, how many of you know the true feeling of like being exhausted? Yeah, I mean, we've all been there at some points, right? Like, it's just, you just get to a place and you're like, I could sleep for a thousand years and I don't think anybody would come looking for me. You know, like, I'm exhausted. I am pushed past the point of where I could be, right? Okay, so I had one of those days at work. I work at Panera Bread, for those of you who don't know. Um, you know, you eat there, you drive by it, whatever, you've seen it. Um, so there's a shift at Panera Bread that is like the dreaded shift. All of us hate it, but I have gotten stuck with it for the past like month and a half. Um, and the shift is called a mid-shift. It's the 11 to nine o'clock shift. Like, are you kidding me, guys? I have to work not just the lunch rush, but the dinner rush. And I work at Briargate, okay? And so there are some very fancy people who have very high expectations of what we do there at Panera Bread, okay? Uh, and so this particular day, I came home after work, 9 o'clock, and I was wiped. I was like, I'm ready to crawl in my bed and just be done with it. Uh, but part of my nightly routine is that I, I get some water for myself. Um, there's something you should know about me that's important for this story, and that is that I thrash in my sleep. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but it's just like, 
When, I, when my body is at peace, or my mind is at peace and resting, my body just goes wild. You know, and like, like pillows everywhere, blankets thrown about. Like I have a dog and he sleeps by my feet and I honestly don't know if that dog gets a lick of sleep while I'm in the bed, you know, um, because <laughs> just everywhere, okay? So mama didn't raise no fool. I know that because I'm a thrasher, it would be bad news to put an open glass of water on my bedside table. Right? Those things just don't mesh well, just not good. So normally, I fill up a water bottle. In fact, normally this water bottle uh, just before bed, uh, because another thing about my sleep is that I like create heat as I sleep. Like, I don't know what the deal is, but it's like, if the fan isn't on, I am sweating, okay? And so I need water in the middle of the night. Maybe some of you are like that. I feel like I'm just embarrassing myself on stage for no reason, because like, none of you are like nodding your heads like, oh, I feel you, I feel you. Like, that would help me out in this story. Uh, vulnerable moments, folks. Okay, <laughs> so. Anyway, back to the story. This particular night, I filled up my water bottle like I always do. I fill it with some ice because I know that I'm going to want a cold drink in the middle of the night. I twist it on the cab like everything was good. We were good to go. Okay, I woke up in the middle of the night just as I had anticipated. It's almost like I saw it in a vision. I woke up in the middle of the night absolutely like with a thirst that I just thought I would never quench. And you know how, like, so I, I woke up, opened up my water bottle. Okay, took a drink. And you know how sometimes you are so thirsty that you just take a drink and you're like, have you ever tasted water? <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> and you just think, I will never be able to stop drinking this water. <laughs> like, oh my goodness, it was one of those. Okay, I was like, so I loved it so much. Okay, so I took my drink of water and I went back to sleep. And I would love to tell you that that was like the most eventful thing that happened that night, right? <laughs> but you can see me here, like I had just taken a drink of water. Um, and much like I'm standing here on stage with this open bottle of water, um, I was so exhausted that night that I, I took my drink of water, so that's good, I made it that far, um, but I, I didn't close it. Um, and not only did I not close it, I. <laughs> I didn't stick that water bottle back on my nightstand. Um, and so I rolled over, because I'm a, I'm a thrasher, I rolled over, and I dumped all of the water directly onto my own face, ice cubes and all. Okay, so the next thing I know, I'm waking up, I'm exhausted already, I woke up, and I was like, <laughs> and I, I, okay, listen, I don't like to freely admit this, because, you know, I pride myself on, on not showing too much vulnerability, I cried. I bawled my eyes out. I was like, I don't want to deal with this. And not only that, I stripped my bed, I threw it on the floor, and I slept on a, on a wet mattress because I was like, I'm not doing it. Okay, uh, so that, that's the level of exhaustion that we're talking about today. Right? This, this like, wake up in the middle of the night, get a drink, dump the water on yourself kind of exhaustion. Um, and many of you maybe going through this sermon series have felt that way. And when we're, when we're talking about running on fumes in our marriage, when we're talking about running on fumes in our parenting or our finances, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'm running on fumes in life. I can't even think about changing those things because I'm so tired. I'm exhausted. I'm weary. That's what we're talking about today. We're going to be talking about Sabbath, about rest. Okay, so the, like, the very first thing that comes to my mind 
when I think of Sabbath, is my favorite story in Scripture. Maybe not my ultimate favorite, but like, it's a really golden one. Uh, <laughs> it comes from Genesis 1. It's called the creation story. So if you've never read it, open up your Bibles and, and read it. It's great. So I'm not going to read all of chapter 1 to you, because we're going to be starting in chapter 2. But I'm going to give you a breakdown. If you have never read the creation story, right, some of the very first things that the Lord does um, is he speaks the world into motion. Right, by his voice, he separates light and dark. He separates heaven and earth. He separates land from ocean, from sea. Right, and he speaks into being these beautiful creations. He speaks into being animals and plants and sea life. And then he creates man, which, you know, like, I don't think we should pick favorites in the creation story, but, like, we exist, so, like, pat on the back, Lord. Um, that being said, this story also communicates to us about who our Lord is. Probably the most clearly in Scripture, the two, the two pictures that are clearest of who our Lord is are the creation story and Jesus. Right, so in this story, we see that God is working tirelessly, that for six days he's created, and he's spoken into life, into motion, into being what we have now, right, the world. Okay, so, but probably, probably one of the most interesting parts of this story is what happens at the beginning of Genesis 2. So that's where, where we're going to start. You guys, it's your beauty. I'm just like, oh, Okay, <laughs> first one. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he had rested from the work of creating that he had done. And like, I don't know. I'm just going to level with you. I have a busy schedule. But like in all of my busyness, I have never been in charge of, of separating light from darkness or, or land from sea. It's not like God has given me a shovel and he said, you know what? You, I want you to create an island. You know? <laughs> yes, Lord. Okay. Okay. Right? That is not part of my schedule. And still somehow, in the midst of the world beginning, we find our Lord taking rest. It seems pretty, pretty counterintuitive, right? Because from my perspective, and I probably see God a little bit differently than, than some, so ride with me on this train, right? So if I'm God and I'm just sitting up in my, in my infinite expanse of a universe, I'm like, man, this is so beautiful and like peaceful, you know? Like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to create a million jobs for myself. <laughs> uh, so the beginning of creation, we see it is beautiful and it is wonderful and it is holy, and it's also the beginning of some of the hardest work that God does, right? Like, people, wow, we are kind of a mess, right? It's like God created a million jobs for himself, and then he was like, eh, I gotta take a nap. You know, like, it's a little counterintuitive. But it clearly communicates to us something important. Rest. Rest is vital to who we are. Rest is vital to the work that the Lord did. In fact, it, it's so important to God that he created a whole entirely different day for it. Right? It wasn't like, it wasn't like the Lord tacked on to the end of the sixth day, I'm going to take a nap here. No. He said, I'm done with creation. Boom! There's a whole day for rest. 
I'm like, that is such good news for us because, man, sometimes it takes me a whole day to rest, right? It's also bad news for us because, man, that can be a long time when you have a busy schedule, right? Not only, not only did God create a whole separate day for rest that he called holy, right? He gave it to the Israelite people, the first people. He gave it to them as one of the top ten things that they should or should not be doing. Resting. Right? Those are the ten commandments. So in Exodus 20, verse 8, it says, Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Not only did he communicate to us in picture, this is important, he told us in word, clearly, this is one of the top ten things I need you to know. Protect the Sabbath. Keep it holy. Rest on your day. I created that day. Okay, so there's something important here. But there's also something here that I know we are resistant to. Right? Because I look around the room, I look at my life, I look at the lives of the people that I care about, and we don't really rest. It's funny, because this seems to be an incredibly important thing to the Lord, and somehow we still find excuses to not do it. Okay, so one of those huge excuses, let's just get it out of the, out of the gate right away, work. Right? We think like, man, I have to work, so I can't take a rest. I can't take a day off. What are you talking about? Like, my family depends on my income. I get that, absolutely. Um, I will say that that's a pretty poor excuse if you're going to use one, right? Because uh, God created the world in six days, and then he still found the time to rest. Uh, but that's fine. Like, we don't have to go there. I don't have to poke you on that one, right? Uh, but it, it's pretty critical to what we're talking about. Okay, so especially, like, when we're living above our means. Thanks for that one, Pastor Lindsay. Last week was finances if you weren't here. Yikes, mine are a mess. <laughs> but this is the place where the logic of the Lord and the logic of the world don't mesh well. And we have heard that before, right? Scripture tells us that too. In Isaiah, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. You know what he also says in, in Scripture? Be like Jesus. <laughs> oh no, there's a lot here that we got to dissect. Okay, so work. That's the first excuse, right? I have to work. I have to work. You don't understand. I can't take a day off. Um, and so for some of you, that is the reason that you go to, right? And maybe for others of us, like myself, and I don't want to talk about this <laughs> because it's like me, uh, maybe we don't work when we're supposed to, uh, and so we don't take a rest because there are a million things we have to do because we waste time. Yikes. I don't like talking about that one. I'm a procrastinator of epic proportions, okay? So like you could tell me like this is the list of things that need to get done and I'm gonna push it till the very last minute. I'm gonna push it until I am like sweating through three shirts in an hour because I just I have to get it done before you said, but, but only like just before you said. Like it'll be done on time, but it, it will be done and I will be having panic attacks. Right, so you could tell me, like, hey, Valerie, your car's pretty messy. Like, you can't really see out the windshield. And I'll be like, okay, but 
my fish needs to be fed. You know what I mean? Like, how many of you would say that that's you? You don't, you don't need to raise your hand, but like, it helps those of us out who are on stage bearing our lives. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then I think there's a third, there's a third big reason that we don't rest. And that's that we don't really understand what it means. Um, see, there's, there's, a, there's something really important about rest that we like to overlook. And it's that rest requires us to prioritize our work, like we're just talking about, right? So that we can prioritize our rest. Um, but this, this one, this point communicates a little bit differently. Okay, so I love our pastor, Lindsay. Um, she pastors us who also pastor in some pretty significant ways. And one of those ways is by telling us, you need to take a Sabbath. Y- you have to take your time, take your day off, because how are you going to be effective during the week, if you don't have time to stop and to recharge. Okay, but one thing that she does that is really, really good surrounding Sabbath is that the day before hers, she pushes things off of her plate. She says, listen, I can tie up these loose ends. These are six things that I can do today so that tomorrow when I'm resting, I won't have anxiety sweats and my pits won't be shown to the world, right? So that on that day, she can rest. She delegates. She'll text us. She'll say, hey, can you be available tomorrow to take care of this? Or, hey, how are you doing with that? I know that it's been a little bit since we've checked in, uh, but is there anything I can do for you today? Right, she pushes things off of her plate so that she can prioritize rest. Right, and this means working when it's work time and resting when it's rest time. But in order to be effective, at resting, you have to be able to delegate. And so this speaks something different about Sabbath. And that's that it requires trust. It requires you knowing that you are not the most important person on the planet. That guess what? Tomorrow, on my day off, when I'm Sabbathing, work is still getting done. It does not depend on you And I'll tell you what, even the person who all of life does depend on took a day off. Ouch. (laughs) That's not fun. It's not a nice thing to hear. Sorry, guys. I love you, though. Sabbath requires trusting the Lord. And I would also say Sabbath requires trusting people to get the things done that need to be done in your absence. Okay, so I have another story for you, and it comes from Matthew 8, and this is also a really great story, Uh, but before diving into scripture on this one, I just kind of want to set the tone for you. Um, This is a story about Jesus, and this is Jesus at his, at like the height of his career, okay, the height of his teaching. He's come out into the world, he said, guess what, I'm the Lord, and a lot of people have a lot of questions, right? Like, I don't know about this guy. There's a lot of people following him around, gathering in crowds, um, and they're looking to him for answers about life, about who the Lord is, about, man, everything. We see a lot of questions that are asked of Jesus in Scripture. Okay, but in this particular story, Jesus is between two big things. Okay, so we're going we're gonna to see Jesus is... he's on a piece of land, there's a lake, then there's another piece of land. So I don't know whether that's a valley or just a lake. 
Your, your guess is as good as mine on that one. But Jesus is over here teaching. Right? We're going to see him get into a boat. But on the other side of the shore awaits for him probably one of the most beautiful pictures in Scripture of healing. Of a man who has absolutely lost his mind and who needs Jesus. Okay, so you have to understand that in the story that we're talking about, that we're going to talk about, it's not as though Jesus has nothing on his plate. It's not as though Jesus is walking around in the wilderness just having a grand old time. Right? He's teaching. This is his job. This is his livelihood. He is fulfilling the reason that he came to earth in this story. Okay, so let's go there. Matthew 8. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, he gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. Nice move, Jesus. Uh, the disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're, we're going to drown. And he replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. I'm like, you know, initially, this is a very powerful story. But I also kind of want you to see the humor in it. Like, <laughs> this is a, a time. Okay, just like, go with me. Um, so in this story, Jesus, he's teaching, and he sees a group of people come in. And he's like, we should cross to the other side. You know, like at the height of his ministry career, when people are asking him questions, they're demanding things from him, they need to know. He says, oh, I need a break. I need a break. Like, I got to take me a nap, okay? So he says, we're going to cross to the other side. So they get in the boat, right? And, and I have been here before where I see a person across the room and they make eye contact and I make eye contact and they know that I know that they've seen me and I've seen them and I, I just am like, I gotta go. <laughs> right, I've, I've been there. Have any of you been there? It's uncomfortable. But like, there are certain conversations that I know that I can't have unless I take a moment to breathe. There are certain conversations that in the midst of what my life is and what I'm going through, I cannot handle at that moment. I gotta take a pause, right? And so we see Jesus get him to this boat. And I could really see one of two things happening. Either Jesus is so exhausted that he falls asleep right away, or the storm comes on so quickly <laughs> that there is no chance that they could have avoided it. Okay, because it says that Jesus fell asleep on the bottom of the boat, okay? Um, and Mark 4 gives us a picture of this. It says that he's lying on a cushion on the floor of a boat, right? And this is not one of those situations where, where the disciples are kind of like watching the clouds roll in, and they're like, that's looking kind of bad. You think, you think we should wake him up, John? No, says Peter. We just let him sleep, let him sleep, you know, because he's wily, he's a fisherman. Um, this isn't one of those where they can predict it coming, and like reroute. Okay, this the scripture here is very clear. Suddenly a fierce storm came up. Out of nowhere. Okay, it came up. And the waves start crashing over the side of the boat. 
So like, take a pause. Like, where's Jesus? He's on the floor. He's on the floor. Where's the first thing to get wet when waves started crashing? It's, it's the floor of the boat, right? And these disciples are freaking out. They're like, we're going to die. So we know that it is an obnoxious amount of water that's coming into this boat. And Jesus is just sleeping in the back on his little wet cushion. You know, it's like, you know it's wet by this point. They're like, we're going to die. And he's like, oh, you know, and I'm sure that the dove is a light on his shoulder. And he, he has his hands neatly tucked underneath his head. And he just looks serene, right? Because that's the picture of Jesus we have. Um, and it isn't until the disciples wake him up and they say, hey, man, we're going to die, that he's like, oh, a storm? And his response is not even to the storm. His response is angered, I think, to being woken up. He's like, what are you guys talking about? Why are you so afraid? Stop that. Right? And then he just says, shh, 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 and everything is calm. And in my mind, I just imagine Jesus laying back down on his wet cushion and going back to sleep. You know, it's just like, okay, I dealt with it. <laughs> right? Okay, so on the other side of this lake is waiting for him something that he will need strength for. And so all that I'm trying to communicate to you is that I get it. Your life is chaotic. Right? There are things going on all of the time. If it's not work that needs you, it's your kids that need you, it's your friends in crisis that need you, right? It's, it's all of the places that you volunteer. It's all of the places that you spend your time that people, they gravitate toward you, they need you. Right? People needed Jesus too. Um, and still he found the time to rest. So we have these two stories, two pictures of the Lord in different ways resting. And these are two critically important pieces to us understanding what rest is. I want rest like Jesus had. I don't want to be running on fumes in my life. I don't want storms to be overtaking me time after time where I wake up and I think to myself, why did you dump that bottle of water on your face? Right? I want to find a place of peace that I can live out of. How about you? How do we get to this place where we can sleep in the bottom of a wet boat on a soggy cushion, trusting that the Lord will see us through the storm? I'm going to take this story. I'm going to tell you there are two very simple steps Okay, simple in words and difficult in practice. The first one, row away from shore. Just like Jesus did, even though he saw the work that needed to be done, and, and probably because he's Jesus, he knew the work that was coming, he rowed away from the shore. <laughs> he said, no, I need to rest. I need a time. Right? There's this misconception somewhere along the way that, that the busier our lives are, the better, the more important. But what we see from Jesus is that sometimes rowing out to the middle of the lake is the best thing that you can do. Right? Imagine Jesus exhausted, weary from travel, crossing in the boat, 
to his next endeavor, which is a big one. And I encourage you guys to go home and read the rest of Matthew 8. It's beautiful. Imagine him not being able to show up for the next people that needed him because he was exhausted. And I have lived that before. Somebody needs me, and I move on to the next person who needs me, and I move on to the next person who needs me, and suddenly I'm tired. I don't have any more to give. Row away from the shore. Find a quiet place. And for some of you, this may mean staying at home, right? Like maybe the world, you just can't hack it today. You're just like, you know what? Instead of like going out and running errands, I'm going to take this time and I'm going to stay at home. Maybe for you parents who have a bunch of kids, uh, that's locking yourself in your room (laughs) and saying, don't talk to me, right? Maybe for others of you who have priorities at home that you can't just delegate as easily as I say to delegate them, maybe you find a solution for that so that you can rest. But rowing away from shore is finding a time, finding a place, to row, to go, to be quiet, to take a nap if that's what you need to do, right? Find a space, row away from shore. And the second thing is this, rebuke the storms that come your way. And there will be storms that come your way, right? Undoubtedly, (laughs) this storm that came out of nowhere was attack against rest from the Lord, right? Um, Not from the Lord. I mean, an attack against Jesus sleeping. That's what I'm trying to say. Storms will come, absolutely. And the harder that you try to set aside a time to rest, even if that's just half a day, maybe you can't commit to a full day right now, but you can commit to four hours of resting, of truly being still. Right? The storms will come. There will always be more work There will always be people who need you. There will always be somebody in crisis, and you have to solve their problem. There will always be another opportunity to volunteer. These things get in our way. Because if we are not quiet, if we are not taking the time to recharge, how can we expect to be able to spend any of our energy doing what the Lord has asked us to do? Rest is important. Row away from shore and rebuke the storms. That means sometimes you might have to have a really awkward conversation. Hey, honey, I know that, I know that it's my day off and, and you want to talk about this, but I don't really want to talk about work right now. Or not responding to that text message today. Right? not dealing with the person who gives you so much anxiety that you can barely breathe sometimes. You pick up the phone and you say, you know what, I'll I'll call you back tomorrow. And you hang up. Rebuke the storms. And maybe sometimes these are things that you think like, no, I have to handle them. That's what the delegation is about. (laughs) You are not the most important person on the planet. I am so sorry to tell you but you are so important to the Lord and he needs you to rest. So if you've never heard this before, if you've never heard about Sabbath before, if you've never heard about taking a minute, this is what I need from you. 
I need you to understand that God expects you to rest, that he commands you to rest, and that he protects you in that rest. It's okay. This is your permission to find a time. Right? This is what we've been learning about for the past few weeks, that running on fumes is not a good place to be. When we are running on fumes, we are not healthy. We've also learned that when the Lord your God commands you to do something, it is in your best interest to do it. There is a reason, and he will protect you in that. Okay. Row away from shore. Rebuke the storms. You can trust the Lord in that. Let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and we will pray. God, we're grateful for this day. Um, And not only are we grateful for this day, we're grateful for the day that you've given us to rest. We're grateful that you see our lives, that you know our lives, and that you know what is in front of us enough to be able to tell us, child, you have to rest. God, for people in this room right now who have never taken that time, Lord, I just pray that you would bring a moment to them, a reminder, hey, you have this time that you could use. Help them to think of a time, help them to think of a space to just be present with you, Lord. God, I pray your strength because this is not easy. I pray that as they are rebuking the storms that are coming after their rest, Lord, that they would hold fast that they would remember the power that is in your name, Jesus, that you caused the sea to be calm. God, we love you, and we're grateful that you know us. We're grateful that before we ever have a problem, you have a solution. In Jesus' name, amen.